uh, I can't get off this heat theme, uh, go wet your T-shirt and put it back on (laughs) and wear it during the show so you keep cool. Uh, That's what I have been resorting to do lately. Uh, Or I get a tiny little fan and put it in front of a two-gallon water bottle that I've frozen like a huge ice cube, and I put that right in front of me to make my personal little air conditioner. So whatever you got to do to keep cool, because there's certainly enough going on out there to set your hair on fire. But tonight we might have some solutions to make it all better. So let me say welcome uh, to uh, my new friend and I'm sure like-minded sister, Jessica Bowman. Hey, Jessica, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so glad you're with me. And um, let me just uh, tell listeners a little bit more about you uh, by way of your bio, because, uh, uh, you know, you got a lot going for you that uh, helps you speak to the topic tonight. Um, so you hold a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology, a master's degree in women's spirituality and creative expression. Uh, you earned... Um, California single subject credentials in English and social science, as well as administrative services credentials. Uh, You're a public school administrator for a rural high school in Northern California, uh, focusing on support for underrepresented students. Uh, You're an artist and herbalist. You facilitate workshops for women focusing on creativity as a vehicle for transformation. You're researching social justice through the lens of goddess consciousness and a doctoral program at the California Institute of Integral Studies, CIIS. Um, we've got a lot of, to talk about, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. thank you. So, um, you know, this is kind of a pet subject of mine. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I, I didn't mention too much uh, to you about this before our interview because I wanted our, our chat to be fresh. And, um, and I don't know whether you're aware, but a lot of uh, what I talk about when I give talks or workshops or even here on the show, uh, you know, sometimes uh, the topic goes in this direction with guests, uh, it's about um, reconciling our spirituality and politics. And nothing has been more frustrated in the goddess movement than the fact that so many teachers don't want to go there. They, um, you know, they want to keep teaching Wheel of the Year rituals, Goddess 101, <laughs> uh, Goddess history, how to do ritual, tarot, uh, how to do spells. Uh, but, you know, it's like they are afraid to talk about the goddess and social justice. Uh, they're afraid to talk about the fact that capitalism and goddess are diametrically opposed. Um, and you may not agree with me. We can talk about it. Uh, but that for 100 years it's been known that goddess is more associated with socialism or democratic socialism than it is capitalism. And I can't find many people willing to go there with me so I just wonder um, where are you at with this do you are you frustrated by the same thing or in Northern California are they more enlightened (laughs) Uh, I think that's an excellent question Karen and I think your evaluation of the situation is pretty accurate Um, we you know I've always found it quite interesting that we're 
so comfortable with bringing the standard Christianity into public schools. Uh, for example, I had someone comment to me a couple weeks ago about how often we bring Christmas trees into the school setting and things like that, which are just our cultural norm. Um, anything along the lines um, of goddess or feminine or spirituality is simply, like you said, um, not acknowledged, um, and oftentimes we really run away from those concepts and conversations as, a, as an institution. So I thought the, the last few years that the work that many of us are doing in this institution is sacred subterfuge. So it's part of that conversation and part of the lens that I'm seeing the work that I do through and really trying to be gentle around bringing some alternative ways of thinking and treating each other to the conversation. Well, you know, I commend you because I will admit, you know, I um, I am not as gentle about it as I should be. You know, I'm probably too vocal, and maybe that scares people off. Um, and and you know, and I want to be somebody that builds bridges and brings people together. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it's hard to even get the conversation going. Um, I mean, uh, for instance, I know in goddess, you know, in in goddess circles I know, um, you know, we women are quick to say, don't discriminate against me, but we will discriminate against somebody else and feel entitled to do so. Um, You know, I mean, I know women in this community that I love dearly. Some of them have been my mentors, and they stand with Donald Trump on immigration. Um, You know, they stand with corporatist Democrats and, you know, think uh, the stuff that Bernie Sanders was talking about uh, was, uh, you know, we wanted ponies rather than trying to restore the middle class and things we used to have a few decades ago, you know. It's like we have collective amnesia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of feel like the goddess is about the we and the us rather than the I and the me or the privileged and the one percent and or, you know, what's good for white women as opposed to black and brown skin women. I mean, this is a big, complicated subject. And um, I don't know if it's because people are, you know, these are such hot-button topics that our foremothers, our teachers don't want to talk about it, or if, you know, they're just still so mired down in Goddess 101, they haven't, uh, you know, they, they don't even see the connection between social justice and Goddess. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. The complexity piece of it is very interesting, and I think that the layers of patriarchal structures and silos still impact tremendously what we do, even when we have a goddess consciousness to work with. I know one of my experiences in a different part of the state was pretty tremendous in regards to um, parents who were not happy with the changes that I was instituting in the school and really did some research around my background and found my website, Creativity and the Divine Feminine, and a true witch hunt ensued. And so I think that there's the pieces also around having a job and paying the bills. And and I know there's some people, perhaps like you, that can really claim and, and own the goddess spirituality piece of it. I don't have that luxury, so I think that's part of that conversation as well. 
Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, that that's true. You know, I mean, I don't have to. Uh, I can be out. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have to. You know, be in the closet about you know what I'm about. My job doesn't depend on it. Um, so I I do get that. Um, I guess I just, uh, you know, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm expecting more from the women who teach other women about goddess spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be public, uh, but it can be in the in, in the classes. You know, it can be in the books that they write. It can be on their blogs maybe, especially if they aren't using their, um, you know, their public name. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess I just wish that we could get the dialogue going. Um, I'm getting real bored with talking about um, all the goddesses around the world and, you know, the traditions and how to do magic. And, uh, you know, when I feel like this is such an important piece of um, making the world a better place. I completely agree with you. I think that's part of the conversation that I'm um, having around choosing a, a Ph.D. program specific to goddess consciousness instead of something like education. <laughs> so I, I definitely yeah. agree with what you're saying and, and really feel that it now is definitely and, you know, is the time for us to really move forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. Well, all right, so, um, you know, let's just kind of jump in and, you know, talk about what you've been doing and, your, and what your perspective is. Um, do you have suggestions of activities that women can uh, help, that, that women can take to help bring, um, you know, the position of the divine feminine back as sacred and powerful? Um, you know, what, what sort of stuff have you been doing or do you think we can do to um, help really rebirth this? That's an excellent question. I, for myself, uh, in 2012, I, I made a personal vow to bring that term goddess back to its rightful, rightful place of sacred. And for me, that means really um, engaging in creating images of the divine feminine in art forms and putting them out in the public as much as possible. I also feel compelled to really, um, I have two nieces, ages 9 and 11, so I'm teaching them about the divine feminine and about their right to choose what is sacred and, and other ways beyond standard religion. And I also bring that conversation to how I work as a as a school administrator, gently around inclusive activities, around awareness about other cultures and spiritual pathways and things like that, which do make a difference. I think each woman has to to really choose what is going to work for them. Attending women's circles, attending alternative activities, um, scholarship conferences, and things like that that focus on the alternative message, every little step I think makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think we have to uh, think of it like uh, we're planting seeds, and um, and you know maybe we alluded to it a little bit. You know, some of us can be more uh, public and more vocal than others, uh, but we need to look and find the areas where we can plant the seeds. Yeah, and I also think it's important that we really start, like you said earlier, finding the ways to bridge those realities, those paradigms, and really focus on the the connection building and the collaboration and the collective work because that's really what's going to change the world. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have some examples of, um, you know, maybe some activities you've done or you've taught um, that you feel comfortable sharing? Well, I, we just actually finished a, I uh, do a women's creativity and art camp every summer up in Northern California, north of Mount Shasta, called the Gaia, Gaia Camp for Magic and Creativity. And that's a, a nice way to connect with women and really to look at creativity and, and nature-based activities for personal transformation. And I, you know, we have about 15 women that come, amazing women. And, and I even even that small of a group can make a difference in terms of how each one of those women take their own experience and they go home and they impact their families and their communities and their bigger communities. So, again, I really think that even small actions can make a big difference in, in how that looks in our world today. Okay. All right. Um, well, and I know you you look at art as a catalyst for transformation. I mean, I certainly know women who uh, transform their lives um, when through um, you know maybe uh, art classes in college. Uh, they maybe even discovered goddess, and that has sort of taken them um, you know uh, down a different path. You know through art history or whatever. But um, I think you're maybe talking about something else. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how uh, art can be a catalyst for transformation? Sure. I've uh, studied with a couple of women that really have made a big difference in how I view the use of art, um, both as a sacred practice and as an inquiry method. So Shiloh Sophia was a teacher in my master's program, and she introduced us to the concept of art as sacred practice with a big focus on setting intention around the art process. And that really changed my view around what art is and how it can be used as a healing method. I would say that it's not therapy per se, but it is very therapeutic. And really looking at setting your intention, and then her focus has always been around images of, of the divine feminine uh, from a cross-cultural perspective. Uh, and I find that part to be very interesting. Setting your intention when you're creating an image really can be powerful around dealing with past experiences, with looking at how you'd like to set your future, with addressing some questions that you might have in your life. Uh, for example, I just did an online workshop called The Goddess of Desire, and I think part of that comes from my experience in working with women in our culture who are not at all encouraged to say, I want something, or I wish for that, or my desire is. And so setting the intention of helping women to state their wishes, dreams, and desires is really important. And the other piece that I'm looking at from this conversation is the intuitive side and using art as an inquiry model or method and just listening really deeply to intuition and wisdom and bringing that forth through images and colors, and that's quite fascinating as well. So I'm using both sides of that conversation in, this, in, in my research. All right, so let me just make sure I understand what you're saying. So you're talking about using image, you're using color, you're using symbols, I guess, uh, of goddesses or related to goddesses, and that is um, sort of sparking women's personal empowerment or, uh, or transformation. Is, is that kind of uh, what you mean in a nutshell? 
Yeah, you know, in our society, sacred feminine is not part of our normal imagery in, in terms of a sacred component. We see a lot of divine masculine in imagery, but not divine feminine. So that also uh, is an example of this conversation. I can remember a few years ago we took images to the international or the international symposium for the prevention of violence against women and children and has many images of the divine feminine and the overall response was just one of deep peace from an audience that didn't have any working knowledge of the divine feminine so it can work on less tangible ways than our left brain process okay and you know, what you're saying is really important because I think those of us who have been doing this a long time, myself, I, I, I will say I am guilty, uh, I have to be reminded that the idea of goddess uh, is not a mainstream thing. I mean, I know it, but I forget it, if, if you know what I mean, you know. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, forget, I forget how transformative it was to discover that there was a feminine face of God and how that impacted me as a woman. That's kind of yesterday's news for me. And, um, and I forget there's so many women that still have yet to awaken to that. Right, that's that's very true. Even the women I have found in in more I don't know pagan circles, perhaps, sometimes are quite surprised by the aspect of the divine feminine. So I think that's a very important uh, process and an important important action that we continue to take. Right, and uh, and do you find? Um, I mean, I don't know how long you've been doing this, so I don't know, you know, what sort of span of time you can reference. But do you find that once the women discover the divine feminine, and it affects them personally, uh, they empower themselves, then they can open their arms a little bit wider and see maybe how this idea of the divine feminine can then uh, impact their family or then impact their community or then impact uh, the world. And that's sort of where the social justice starts to come in. Is that is that Are we on the same page there? Yes, ma'am. I... I went through my master's program. I started in 2008 really unaware of the overlay of patriarchy and really unaware of the goddess and divine feminine. And watching the women that I went through the program with really open up, really tell their story, really start to change their worldview had a tremendous impact on me. And then the same thing over the years around attending different conferences and Lots of women using creativity and the divine feminine connected to impact their own world has been really powerful for me to witness. And so, yes, we're absolutely on the same page, and I think that's just a really beautiful thing to witness. Yeah, and and the flip side of that, I mean, you know, let me play devil's advocate here. You know, I've actually mm-hmm. been in classes where I've taught cakes for the Queen of Heaven, and on occasion, it's not often, but on occasion, I have had women come up to me at the break and say, uh, you know what, I, I, I am totally on board with everything you're teaching here, 
but I can't handle this because it means that, uh, I, you know, knowing this, is it's, it's hard enough to know this, uh, but to go home and live this will turn my world upside down, and I am not ready to upset the apple cart. You know, my family would go crazy. My husband would go crazy. Uh, my, you know, my church social circle might go crazy. Um, and so you also have, that I, I I wonder if you've experienced uh, any of that. Um, if, if if what I just said makes any sense, it, it absolutely does, and I have seen it on a variety of levels, uh, including a couple of people in our master's program that couldn't finish because it was so shocking to them that most of the structures that they believed in growing up were viewed differently after this education around a different way of viewing the world. And I know for myself, going to some of these activities around the Divine Feminine and working with women's circles, I have experienced waves of grief when I come back to the quote-unquote real world. So that has been something to learn how to manage and to help people to, you know, I'm sure you've got your term, but we always call it re-entry, um, because it can be very shocking and how 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 we see this process does impact relationships. It does impact our process with our, you know, colleagues and things like that. So, yes, it can be absolutely uh, changing everything. It can be earth-shattering. <laughs> yeah, because we realize, you know, the absurdities that we have accepted as normal. <laughs> you know, we realize right, what we have swallowed, you know, um, what we have swallowed, what we have perpetuated, what – um, you know what we think is the you know the way the world always was, and uh, it, we you know it, but now we know it once was different and could be again, uh, and that's and and you know and uh, while it's really great to have that knowledge, uh, I, I you know I maybe I'm just talking from personal experience. It's sometimes it's really it, it in a way it's almost easier um, to stay uh, to stay uninformed uh, dare I say because the knowing <laughs> the, the knowing can be bittersweet because you know it it's, it hasn't always been this way it could be different and having to live this life seeing all the injustices seeing the oppression seeing the domination seeing the patriarchy it almost makes it harder to take when you know it shouldn't be normal I think you're totally right, Karen. I myself I found it sometimes to be quite exhausting. And I think that the oppression piece of it is so critical that we address that as, as thoroughly as we possibly can. So many groups in our world have suffered massively from this oppressive mindset. I just as an example, a small example, I've got my nieces visiting this week and they're ages nine and eleven and to just know and listening to them talk to each other and the female competition that they have already learned so heavily is prevalent in their conversations with each other. And it's just so challenging to listen to some of the things that they say. And they attend a private school. So it's really interesting when you have a lens of the goddess itself um, because you recognize the paradigm that we're working within. Right, right. Well, and and I'm thinking, too, it's also, um, I mean, there's well, there's so many aspects of it. Um, I recently, I, 
I, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but it seems like mm-hmm. a parallel track. I've been watching this new show on TV called Dietland, and afterwards there's a show called Unapologetic that comes on where they talk about Dietland. And it feels like finally there's a show that's talking about the patriarchy, that's talking about women that are fed up and aren't going to take it anymore, that's talking about this phony patriarchal indoctrination that women have had about uh, around uh, their bodies, about how, you know, how they have to fight to be perfect and the suffering they have to go through, the money that they have to spend, you know, uh, know, on cosmetics, on, uh, I mean, my God, rejuvenating your vagina, um, uh, bleaching your, you know, your anus so you don't have, uh, you know, different shades of skin. I mean the insanity that uh, in, in the in the industry that grows up around it. So people make money off of women not feeling perfect enough. You know, um, it, I, I don't know. It just I, I'm so glad that that show has started, and it's a you know it's about ready to end its season, and you know I can't wait for it to come back. But at least. Uh, with the Me Too movement, with that, it feels like something is starting to crack open. And, you know, maybe women uh, have, maybe they've reached their boiling point and they just don't want to take it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I think you're right. And I think that's one of the things that I've observed over the last 12 months or so. I think partly our current president is a catalyst for this process. I think that the one good thing that I see in the conversation is that groups of people that may not have aligned before are coming together for the first time. I think that women are starting to speak their truth in a way that they haven't before and that we're really coming together differently because of the tremendous, tremendous atrocities that are happening across our nation in the name of the United States of America. So I'm really hoping that that momentum continues. Yeah. Yeah, I I hope so. You know, I I said that when he got into office that he would be a catalyst for transformation. We would look back in hindsight um, when we were no longer living through it, but look back on it and we would see that maybe he served us in, you know, by, by being so utterly pathetic and atrocious and unbearable and all of those things. It would get people off off the couch. Although I have to admit, living through it, um, it, it's been a little bit more difficult than um, even I thought it might be. Um, But, but yeah, and, and, you know, and, and maybe that's where it starts. And, you know, and if there's a way we can kind of keep that momentum going. I mean, there was a scene in Dietland, for instance, and, you know, and this isn't just about the cosmetic industry, but this was just an example. Um, this, they showed you this woman undressing, um, you know, when she came home from work. Um, she pulled off the wig. She pulled off the false eyelashes. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she cleaned one side of her, her face of makeup so you could see her real self and the, the made-up side. Um, she pulled off her earrings. She pulled off her jewelry. She, uh, you know, 
uh, took off her blouse. She pulled out the fake boobs. She took off the spanks. She took off the heels. Mm. And it was like, my God, it, oh, and, and, and she had fake nails. And it's like, you know, and, and she was exhausted. And that was sort of the the the... Um, um, the idea, you know, would it, oh, and, and, you know, and the fact that she couldn't eat anything she enjoyed because she couldn't possibly, um, you know, be accepted out there in the world if she was more than a size four. And, you know, and, and I think this show is saying to women, why? Why are we playing this game? And uh, I don't know. I just hope more women ask themselves that question because I think that these are all pieces of this um, of this topic. You know, I think that's oppression of women. You know, it it in a way it is um, uh, domination, exploitation. It's about the money you can make off them, uh, making them feel insecure with their own body, with their own body image. Uh, you know, having them try to, uh, you know, have you know, have an unrealistic, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I can't even language it. But you know, it, it's like the ideal is just unattainable. You know, for some people, you know, to maintain. And should we have to work that hard? Is that what life is about? Um, I don't know. I, I don't mean to go on and on, but I was just so thrilled to see that on television, you know, that, that topic, because it felt so hugely important for women to see, and men too, for that matter. I totally agree. There was actually an episode recently, too, on Grace and Frankie, which is the sitcom with Jane Fonda, and she kind of went with the same process around undoing all of the layers that she puts on to make herself presentable to our society expectations, the hair extensions, the false eyelashes, the entire process that you just discussed. And I think that's an important synchronicity that those perspectives are coming forward by really important people, which is going to help all of us as a gender to really question those ideals because in some cases, like you said, they're absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, because we're not talking about, you know, uh, be, being unhealthy, but you know, I, I mean, we know already that, um, you know, high heels on women, you know, hurt their, you know, can damage their feet, hurt their legs. I mean, there was a politician just recently who uh, read some study. I think it was, uh, I want to say it was from the Netherlands that it wasn't good for for men to wear ties. So he wanted to pass this rule that in his city. Um, uh, men didn't have to wear ties because it could um, lead to um, it, it could be detrimental for people with high blood pressure and it, it could be unhealthy. And I'm thinking, imagine if a woman had said that about women in heels. You know, they'd probably mm-hmm. be laughed at. You know, because their legs wouldn't look as sexy if they're not wearing three-inch stilettos. You know, um, I don't know. I, I I guess I've kind of gone off on a rant here, and I apologize. <laughs> Um, no, it's but, totally but I, <laughs> well, um, so yeah, what were we talking about? Art and personal transformation. I guess this was the personal transformation part of it. No, absolutely, and it's part of the decision-making power that we have as women on where are we going to spend our money, which is a social justice issue. So I, I think your your tangent was absolutely appropriate. 
<laughs> well, thank you. You're very kind. <laughs> so, um, so it it seems like um, you maybe have experience with people from uh, you know from differing faiths um, that are trying to maybe embrace or embody uh, a shift toward the divine feminine. Um, did you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I in our master's program that, that was probably my first introduction into that process because there were women from different parts of of the world that brought their own understanding about goddess and the divine feminine to our conversation. So I learned a lot about what that looks like and really recognized that no matter what your religious background or your spiritual background, the divine feminine is much more than a religious overlay. It's definitely, a, a, like I said, a lens on how we see the world. So I think that there's room for the divine feminine in every conversation connected to religion and spirituality. And I think it's critical. I think it's a critical conversation. And, and you know, and it, and it probably should be said, um, I mean, look, I, I, I mean, just in the small number of groups I've been involved with, you know, here in get anyone to agree on anything either you know i mean uh to define the divine uh, to, to define the divine feminine you will probably get as many definitions as people you ask um likewise um how the divine feminine fits into uh maybe your uh, you know your social paradigm, your religious paradigm, your economic paradigm, um, all of that. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say, you know, to a lot of us, uh, the divine feminine, for instance, just as an example, might be about women's empowerment. Uh, our body is sacred. Don't any man tell me what to do with my body. I have a right to an abortion if that's what I want to do. That's not against, you know, uh, divine feminine principles or anything like that. And you may have another woman who is divine feminine oriented and maybe will not agree in the least about that. It might mean something totally different. It might mean uh, to her being the ultimate empowered woman is having the strength and courage to submit to her husband, you know. Um, so maybe uh, if this is about having a big tent and embracing the diversity within, even if we're on total opposite ends of the spectrum, as I just described. Absolutely. I think what you're talking about is really the complexity of this conversation. It's the complexity of, of woman in general. And bringing everyone to the table who wants to show up really is going to provide a richer more um, a more in-depth understanding conversation around both of those pieces, both the divine feminine and social justice, because so many people have been impact, impacted by the oppression of, of the patriarchy. So having one definition, I just don't see how that would work. Right, 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 right. Um, so what steps do you think um, can we take to be more open and inclusive? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's our ideal, but those are just words, you know. What does it really look like? You know, it's easier said than done. <laughs> I think that's the million-dollar question. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what that looks like in regards to a, a generalized um, specific answer. I, can, I, I suggest that 
as many women as possible start asking questions about some of the norms that we have in our society, that we look carefully at how we're spending our money, that we look carefully about how things are sold to us, as you've already talked about, that we look carefully about the things that we're teaching to our, our daughters and nieces and granddaughters and sons, for that matter, as well. This is a kind of that fluidity of internal and external analysis around how we are and where we are and where we'd like to go and what it's going to take to get us there. That's a really, I know, a very vague answer. <laughs> well, but, well, the reality is, and I think this is the easiest way to maybe say it, um, I don't know, just uh, I think the easiest way to say it is we are really looking to change the world in practically every aspect because we are living in a patriarchal world that is wrapped up in um, in uh, male-dominated religions and capitalism. And all of those things, patriarchy, male-dominated religions, and, and capitalism, those are killing us. And um, and I and I think and we have to, it, it forces us to rethink everything, you know, because those things permeate and everything and have um, shall I say poisoned everything. Um, and I mean I, I I hope I don't sound like a crazy person saying that, but when you start to think about it, we we do almost have to rethink how we do and think about almost everything. I totally, totally agree with you. In my experience in working in California public schools, especially in the urban centers with a tremendous amount of diversity, having students from all over the world really gave me a different perspective on what it means to live in the United States, especially in California. And I really recognized how each one of those perspectives informed my worldview. And a few things that I saw that really just, challenged me tremendously was the oppression of poverty. Racism, sexism were rampant, but also the oppression of abilityism, if you can call it that. And so my take on it is we really have so much work to do around how we treat each other, around what it means for equality and equity, and how we can move everybody forward in a way that's just much more positive, supportive, inclusive, and recognizes the diversity and how beautiful that is to our conversation. Right, right. And and unfortunately, I mean, I'm not saying anything probably most of our listeners don't know and maybe agree with, um, you know, and, uh, you know, this system that we live in, um, you know, is ruled by fear and oppression, and not a diversity and empowerment. You know, capitalism always needs an underclass, you know, somebody that they can oppress and pay slave wages to so somebody else gets rich. Um, you know, patriarchy wants to dominate everything, and, uh, you know, and any, any person who's not a male, you know, uh, you know, a woman or the planet or the species all have to be, uh, you know, subservient to, uh, the, you know, to the male. I mean, you look at the Me Too movement, I mean, as a perfect example, you know, that some of these guys are appalled that um, the things that they just thought were normal 
we're not okay. I mean, that comes up in diet land too. You see these white uh, 60-year-old guys who are now suddenly got to have their panties in a bunch because they can't go up and grab a woman's crotch you know, because that just used to be normal, you know, and, you know, and isn't that, you know, and women are supposed to like that. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know, you know, it just kind of feels like there's, you know, it, it, it's like we have to unravel the tapestry, you know, it's almost like we have to let it unravel and fall into a million billion pieces and reweave it all over again, Um uh, and, you know, and maybe we even have to let some of the baby boomers die away <laughs> uh, and get rid of, the, you know, those poisonous attitudes. Um, and I don't know, the millennials seem to be, give me hope. Um, do you, does that, I mean, does that strike you um, similarly? Or, you know, I wonder, do you think the young, younger generation is showing more signs of um, embracing diversity? I absolutely do, and I think that your visual there about that tapestry is really critical because the weaving is women's work, and I think that's part of what really inspires me to move forward is that it's women's work that's going to change this world, and it's critical. Having worked again in the public school system, I can tell you dozens and dozens of stories of children that have suffered such abuse and such violence. It it just is so... um, it's so awful, and some of those stories I will never, ever repeat because they are so tremendous. And I do think that over the last few years I've noticed a, a big change in how students and children are teach, or how, how they teach or how they treat each other. Um, for the first time in my 15 years of public education, I have seen boys be affectionate with each other like they never would before, and I find that to be quite fascinating. And I'm also hearing girls participate in conversations around science and math that just didn't happen with the general student population in the past. So I am inspired also. I think that we are witnessing tremendous change in our world, and I'm rather excited to be a part of the process. Okay. That, that you know, good. You've kind of validated um you know, I hoped I wasn't just trying to make lemonade out of lemons. You know, I I, I felt like there was some um, hope on the horizon. You know, um, I, I you know I and, and I yeah. Um, so what um, what ways can we prepare to encounter um, or work with these patriarchal systems um, that are are crumbling? And I think you've described them as as lashing out. Absolutely. I think the structures are going to hang on to their validity as much as they possibly can. So our job is, like I said earlier, it's to infiltrate. We need to engage our perspective and our lenses and our way of working with every possible institution that there is, really bringing that feminine approach to everything as we conduct our relationships and our business and all those pieces that are already in place. I totally think that's important. Working in public education is a definite hierarchy, and I totally understand how to work within that patriarchal structure, but I completely bring the feminine into the process as much as possible. Although I may never call it the divine feminine, it's the work that I'm doing. 
Right, right. And I think probably it's important to say that we're not talking about um, just perpetuating patriarchy in a skirt. Um, And because, you know, I I see so many women out there who, you know, yeah, they wanted to get out of the kitchen uh, and into the workplace, and all they did was really sort of perpetuate the patriarchal, capitalistic um, uh, ways that uh, of how things had been done, um, you know. And, and look, and I, I don't want to be too terribly hard on them. You know, I mean, they you have to do what you have to do to survive. Okay, um, you know, I, I'm to a certain extent. I guess there's some pragmatism, pragmatism in me, but. We're not talking about that, though. We're not talking about just perpetuating the old boys club or perpetuating systems that um, are detrimental to workers, to people, to the earth. You know, we're we're talking about um, doing things the, let's call it, for lack of a better word, the feminine way rather than the toxic Mm -hmm. masculine that's been in charge for so long. And perpetuated Absolutely. by women, you know. Right. We are not talking um, about flipping the model upside down and making it women on top. We are talking about dismantling, and like you said, we're unweaving the tapestry and creating something different altogether where everybody comes to the table and everyone contributes to the situation that we're in and everyone contributes to our solution. And that is not easy work. No, no, it's not. You know, it it really uh, it really isn't easy work. And when we see how hard it is, um, you know, I, I mean, an ugly truth is, you know, how hard it is for even women in in within goddess spirituality uh, to get along and not uh, tear <laughs> each other apart. You know, then you know you ex. ex- Expand that into the outer world, and you know what I mean. If we if we can't get it right in our own little circles and groups, and you know we're still suffering from the toxicity out there, then um, you know we 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 see the job ahead of us. You know is is uh, a task. It absolutely is a task, and I think even when those challenges are present, the work has to continue. So even within our own circles of feminine approach, it needs we have to figure it out. We've got to, we've got to move forward. Our, our our kids are entitled to the best that we can provide for them. Well, yeah, absolutely, and um, and and I think for those of us who know better now, who know this isn't normal, um, you know, I feel like we have an obligation to affect change wherever we can possibly do that, you know, whether that means, um, you know, I don't know, trying to create more fairness in the workplace, you know, uh, or, um, I, I don't know, in, in in the church, you know. Uh, I mean, there's so many different things we could do when you think about it. Um, we just have to have the courage to, um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and know that, you know, it, you know. It, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if we if we realize it's it, it really is our job, it's our personal responsibility. Then maybe that helps the indecision. Do I speak up? Do I don't speak up? You know. Um, I don't know. I think we have to take that on. 
Absolutely, and none of this is very clear, and there is, I think, not one right path to get to the place that we're headed. I think that there are many paths to many solutions, and making space for each person's voice in a gentle manner is going to be critical as we move forward, recognizing that people are going to have different opinions than we do, and they've got their own healing to do, so sometimes that can be quite challenging. Right, right, right. Yeah, because we all we all come to the table with our own baggage. Um, well, yes. Jessica, I uh, we're going to take a little break here. I'm a little bit late to in this, so I, I just got engrossed in our conversation. Uh, but after <laughs> after the commercial break, we're going to come back, and um, and I want to know about how Goddess Spirituality transformed you and your work. If uh, I know you spoke about it a little bit, but I feel like there's a little bit more there to a little bit more depth there that maybe um, you have to share listeners, uh, share with listeners. Does that sound okay? Sure. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So we'll be right back after this. Word from Joe Parker. The psychic state is the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet. It's called the chronic mind, the mind of the earth. Our ancestors understood that the animal and divine were all connected. They were together. There wasn't a separation. That's what we are trying to return to, is that sense that our animal nature is divine. It doesn't get in the way of the divine. It gets us closer to it. What's your idea of being fully alive as a human being? Because that's what's really spiritual. Write it down. Start writing your own Bible if you want. That's the sacred. And by that... I just mean sweaty, fun, happy sex. Well, you've been listening to one of the trailers for Dancing with Gaia, uh, Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. In it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddess as Gaia. You know, Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film. These spiritual sites, ranging from northern Scotland to central Turkey, profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. If you've always wanted to see these sites yourself, but you haven't, well, this is an opportunity to experience from your armchair some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, which goes even deeper into the material. You can buy Joe Carson's uh, DVD and booklet for only $20 at dancingwithgaia.com. And I just want to uh, also mention, Joe is quite a prolific uh, artist uh, in many different genres, and uh, she also has a book out called Celebrate Wildness. So that's something else uh, you might want to look into uh, as well. Celebrate Wildness is an oversized, hardbound book on heavy paper, uh, from, and you can get it from the feraferia.org website, F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A. Um, it's um, 
you know, it's a book about uh, feriferia, uh, a word that Fred Adams coined from Greek roots, meaning wilderness festival. It's a pagan tradition unlike any other. Uh, based on Fred's visions of the divine feminine, the sacredness of eros, the potential for intentional communities that truly do no harm to anything, it also draws on themes familiar to Wiccans, such as sacred landscapes, prehistoric beliefs, and the fairy face. Um, you know, it's a short book, uh, only 115 pages, but they are filled with art. Uh, you can't read it quickly. You have to take your time and let it all sink into your subconscious. And what bobs to the surface will be wonderful. You know, we've been talking tonight about how art transforms us. Uh, this is a great example of that. Uh, these two uh, creations from Joe Carson uh, celebrate wildness and dancing with Gaia. I really think these are two items you will want to have uh, in your library or um, uh, as far as celebrate wildness. That would make a great, great coffee table book. So uh, we are back uh, with Jessica Bowman, and uh, our topic tonight is social justice uh, and goddess consciousness, or more specifically, riding the spiral. Um, so, Jessica, uh, before the break, um, I, I said we'd come back and give you a chance to talk about um, how goddess uh, spirituality, you know, how it transformed you and, and then how did that kind of bleed over and um, affect your work. Karen, I'm not sure if I have a very linear answer to that question. When I started working in public education, I found it to be very exhausting, and I needed to find some kind of a wellspring to help myself to deal with the challenges and hold the stories of those children. And I happened along Goddess Spirituality, and I'm sure that wasn't an accident, but I sure didn't know anything about it before that time. And as I further unpack that conversation, the pursuit of the sacred became really important to me, as well as really embracing, understanding, really under, really getting into the women's story part of our culture, which I didn't think was evident before that. I was raised a Roman Catholic. I remember being a young child in, uh, in grade school and didn't understand why I was not allowed to serve the altar. So those pieces all kind of connected for me around my own transformation and my own personal growth and my own reflection process. And I still think that I'm learning about what this is really all about and why I came to the table because I'm not sure if I can answer that question. I just know that it was the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, myself, too, I call myself a recovering Catholic. I grew up a Catholic in the Bible Belt of New Orleans. Um, so we, we have uh, some stuff in common there. Um, so what do you see at the root of this oppressive society we're living in, um, you know, in its centuries of uh, the deep cycle of sexism, racism, and violence that we all live with? What's at the root in your mind? I that's a really interesting question. I don't know if I can answer that question. I don't know 
what the root is, I know deeply that we've got to change the dynamics. So part of my perspective is a looking forward process and really doing everything that's, that I'm in control of to make a difference. The root, I think, is a lack of ability to belong and people very unhappy with that concept and just engaging in things that are just awful. I don't have a good answer for that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Well, sometimes I think fear is at the root. You know, um, uh, I, I think sometimes if you fear something, then you want to keep control of it. Um, and you know, and some, and I, I don't know. It may, it maybe it's a lot more complicated than that. You know, I'm sure some people are just sadists, um, uh, or you know, narcissists or psychopaths. And but I mean, who knows? Maybe at the their root is also fear. Um, but when I, I guess when I'm feeling generous and, you know, I can put the anger aside, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, there were all these, um, studies that came out about, you know, the difference between liberals and conservatives and the amygdala and the brain. And it seems like, uh, you know, people who, uh, one other want them want to live in a little box, and one other people will live in a little box, and don't want to take risks, and don't like change, and are afraid of people who are different than them, and ideas that they've, uh, you know, they're not risk takers. They don't want, you know, uh, want everything to stay the same, even, uh, you know, maybe if it's oppressive, you know, they 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 don't want to explore new ideas. You know, that's that tends to, I think, describe the conservative mind to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, psychologists have said, you know, it's because of, uh, you know, the amygdala, it's actually bigger in conservatives, and it's all about fear, Um, which is, uh, you know, is, I guess it, it, as a Virgo, you know, that at least gave me some explanation, um, you know, other than, you know, these, um, you know, why are these people holding the world back, you know, from evolving? Um, You know, at least that that helped explain it a little bit. Um, I didn't like it, but (laughs) um, it it helped. It helped. Um, So... um, can you point out areas where you see goddess spirituality make it, making a difference today? And do you have any ideas where we can take it further without becoming oppressive ourselves? <laughs> well, first of all, I resonate with what you said earlier about the, the brain function piece of it. I know personally I like to access my sense of adventure and I enjoy change and I know a lot of people do not like change so I, I, I hear what you're saying regarding that piece of it. I know for me and for the women that I've worked with and the women that I've observed and the women that inspire me, the goddess piece of the conversation has been completely life-changing and I take that perspective to all of my relationships and all of how I do everything in the world And the more that we spread the word and share the work, the more that we're going to impact this process, even if it's one woman at a time, and one one woman at a time can change this world. So I think that's part of this piece, too, is it is not only an international movement, but it's really about the work that I'm doing and how I'm taking that to the rest of my dynamic and my community and my family. 
are there are there any movements or situations out there that you can point to that are your favorite or give you the most hope? Well, I participated in the Women's March last year and this year, and I thought that was pretty amazing, pretty powerful. And to have so many people come together in a peaceful show of support with each other and with a political statement around how people should be treated. I thought that was pretty powerful. So if that's what you're referencing, I, I, I think that's an important piece. And I do think that the okay. kind of spirituality movement is rooted in the feminist movement around equality. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, people like Rush Limbaugh, you know, who gets on the feminazi kick and uh, wants to demean it, uh, I don't know if he's willfully, you know, people like him, you know, I don't know if they're willfully ignorant, uh, because certainly sometimes I think in some uh, places uh, it feels like the idea of feminism needs to be rehabilitated uh, because for some reason it's been misunderstood. Um, or, you know, maybe that's just the strategy from the other side, uh, you know, to make people, make women and men ashamed to claim that label. Uh, but, yeah, it really does come down to equality, doesn't it? And, um, uh, you know, when we're living in the biggest uh, uh, income, you know, economically income inequality in the history of the United States, uh, you know, when black people uh, are incarcerated uh, so much more than white people when they can't even drive down the street without being afraid that, you know, uh, a simple traffic stop could end in death. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on when, you know, people crossing the border now have to be afraid that their children are going to be ripped from their arms. Uh, which I have to say I don't think would happen if these people had white skin or were European. Um, yeah, there's there's an awful lot of inequality, and you know these couple examples are only the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely, so, I, I, so what you're saying, yeah, I'm sorry, is people like Rush Limbaugh, I agree with you totally, perpetuate their mindset because otherwise they would be responsible for their actions, and they certainly do not want to be responsible for what they've done to people. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, uh, and look, you know, I, I am not a man-hater. I have been married to a wonderful man for more than 30 years, and I am on record much to the uh, dissatisfaction of some of my, you know, radical feminist friends as saying, you know, I know uh, a lot of men who embody the divine feminine values more than some women. You know, uh, there's been more women that have given me grief in my life than, than men. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, you know, th this I idea of feminine values, you know, I think we have to really be careful uh, and not give people the idea that all women perpetuate or embody these values and not all men, um, uh, you know, they're not absent from all men either, um, uh, you know, because it really is values rather than gender, I think. Um, and um, I don't know, I, I think that's just important to, you know, to, to state as well. You know, it's, a, it's really a frame of mind, I think, uh, than it is a gender. It just might be that women are, are maybe more predisposed, some women are more predisposed to embody 
um, this, that particular state of mind. I don't know, did that make I any think that's sense? A huge, <laughs> uh, no, it absolutely does. I'm also married to a very spiritual man who, who understands the conversations that I'm having. And part of what you, I think that you're talking about is that gender fluidity. If, if people in our society were allowed to express their gender any way they wanted to, some of our power struggles that were happening simply would not exist. And I think that's a major part of this conversation as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we could, uh, you know, we could talk on and on about this, but I, I think we've, uh, you know, we have, we have probably hit a lot of the high points. But before I say uh, goodbye, Jessica, is there anything you wanted to say or mention that maybe I haven't thought to ask you? The only other small thing I'd like to add is I think that part of the goddess consciousness component that I'm looking through is there's a recognition that other belief systems are also necessary for this very important social change. And the last piece I want to say is that you and the work that you're doing and many other really powerful women in this movement have been very inspiring to the rest of us, and I think that the work needs to continue, so please, please do that. Uh, well, thank you very much. Um, I, I appreciate that, you know, because sometimes it feel like, feels like, you know, I'm just here talking to you and just a big black hole out there. <laughs> uh, so, you know, unless, in, you know, unless I hear from listeners, you know, sometimes I forget that, uh, you know, there's actually people out there. Uh, out there listening and uh, yeah I totally agree uh, with you about uh, you know embracing the other cultures and 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 other spiritualities Um, you know I think it's I I wish that there were a way that uh, people could broaden their horizons and it actually be a requirement that they um, experience other religions and other cultures Um, you know when I was coming up in in learning about God of spirituality one of the curriculums that I was a part of, you actually had to go uh, to six different religions and ex- and learn about what they were about and experience their ritual or mass, whatever you want, whatever they happen to call it. And so you you know you had an appreciation for. Uh, you know other people you know you it you and you know you didn't get this idea um you know like some of us do growing up in patriarchal religions that we're the chosen people and everybody else is irrelevant um and you know or or travel even you know i wish when kids hit uh when they graduate from high school or they start college you know maybe there was a w- way to do some sort of an exchange program where they actually cross these two oceans on either side of the United States and see that there is a big world out there, Um, you know, because sometimes I I just personally think, you know, we are so uh, quick to start wars and bomb other countries uh, because it's like, gee, way over on that other side of the globe, that's not even real, you know those people don't count. You know they 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 don't have our God. They aren't. Uh, you know we're different color. They speak a different language. They're irrelevant. You know. Um, so I don't know. I just I just think travel and um, you know educational awareness of other people's cultures and religion. It it should really be a requirement. Um, we would have such a I, I know. I just, I just think our our uh, electorate and our uh, citizenry would be so much 
so so much better served um, than the little boxes, uh, you know, so many people live in. Anyway, I'm, I I'm sorry again. I, I, <laughs> I, I'm 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 on a roll tonight. Maybe because I didn't have a show last week, I'm making up for it. <laughs> uh, you well, know, I agree. So that's great. <laughs> Well, well, Jessica, I have uh, certainly enjoyed talking to you tonight, and thank you for the work you're doing up in uh, in Northern California. It is going to take us all, you know, it is going to take us all doing what we can in our own communities um, with the, you know, the people we touch, the seeds we can plant. Um, you know, I I I just hope um, I hope it hurries up. <laughs> it's moving right. too slow. Right. <laughs> right, right. I am convinced that we are watching the the end of the the, the crumble of the patriarchy. So, I uh, I appreciate all that you're doing, and we all need to come together to continue the work. Okay. Well, I know you have some websites and stuff. Is there anything you want to mention to listeners? Uh, do you have any classes or or, or anything like that coming up that uh, uh, you might want to mention? Mm-hmm. Uh, the big one that I do is the Gaia Magic and Art Camp every summer, so that would be something for people to look forward to if they're somewhere near Northern California or can get here. And I do have a variety of other offerings on the website, so I appreciate that. Okay, and let's just make sure we mention those. The websites are magicalapothecary.com mm-hmm. and creativityandthedivinefeminine.com. That's it, exactly. Okay. Yep. Well, Jessica, and I'll be looking again, on thank my, you. Absolutely, thank you. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just working on my Yeah, I'm just working on my dissertation. So as soon as that's done, I'll be sharing that as much as I can as well. Okay, sounds good. And please uh, keep in touch with me if anything comes up uh, that you feel like you want to talk about or you want to make an announcement or whatever. Um, you know, I'm I'm always open to that, so uh, don't hesitate to reach out, okay? Thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Okay, good night, and I appreciate you good, coming on. Good night. Thank you very much. All I appreciate right, your time. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Well, uh, tonight I started, uh, you know, the musical offering Weave and Spin by uh, the Reclaiming Folks. Uh, It was Chance. Uh, They have an album out of Chance uh, for social justice activism. I forgot to tell Jessica about that. Uh, But anyway, uh, I just love that Weave and Spin so much. Um, I can just actually see people doing a spiral dance as they do that Weave and Spin. So I think I'm going to close tonight's show uh, with uh, with that music and uh, let you hear the, that uh, chant Weave and Spin by Reclaiming in its entirety. Um, so thanks again, dear listeners. Uh, please try to keep cool. Uh, if you can uh, make any donations to the show, I would certainly appreciate it. Uh, you know, remember to feed the, uh, you know, to uh, support the spring that feeds you or some, some other such uh, saying like that. Uh, if the show has been meaningful to you and uh, you want to help me keep it on the air, uh, I would appreciate any uh, donation in any amount. And you can uh, make a donation in any amount uh, through PayPal. Uh, by going to my Karen Tate website. When you're there at the Karen Tate website, go to the Goddess Store page. 
Uh, you're welcome to look at everything there. There are books. There's goddess greeting cards. There's free meditations. Uh, there's femme DVDs. Uh, but if you keep scrolling all the way down past the books, past the free meditations, if you go all the way to the bottom, there's a PayPal button where you can make a donation of any amount. Uh, so please do uh, if you get a chance. Uh, my birthday is coming up next month. It would be great to get some donations in uh, during the month of August. Uh, that would certainly be appreciated. Uh, and at the very least, uh, please go to the follow button on the Voices of the Sacred Feminine um, show page here. Click the follow button so you get news of um, of, of each new guest uh, each Wednesday night. Uh, please do return to the show next Wednesday. I am here almost every Wednesday. And if you aren't on my email list uh, but would like to be, please reach out and let me know. Uh, I also have a uh, monthly blog called Dancing at the Edges uh, that I've put out during the month of July, and the new one for August just went out this week. Uh, new information there, stuff I think you'd probably enjoy. Uh, so if you want to make sure you get that, uh, please let me know. I'll put you on the email list, or sometimes you can find it at my Karen Tate Facebook page. Okay, well, that about does it for me tonight. Um, take care of yourselves. Uh, stay hydrated. Um, and uh, here is Reclaiming Weave and Spin. Enjoy. Enjoy.